scripture reading will be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 30. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 30. But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Being a New Testament Christian means that we give everything to Jesus Christ. It means that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. It means that in the way that we go about making decisions, in the choices that we make, every decision that we make, we're thinking about God, we're thinking about His will, we're thinking about whether this pleases Him, whether this advances His kingdom. Jesus challenged us and said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And the Bible says that we can't just disengage our brains and act like it doesn't matter how we're making decisions. God challenges His people and says... Come and let us reason together, says the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. In the New Testament, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, that we ought to prove or test all things and hold on to that which is good. God expects us to use our minds. He expects us to give Him all of our minds, all of our hearts, all of our strength in serving Him. And the fact is that a lot of the decisions that we have to make in life are really difficult decisions. Maybe they're difficult because of the number of people that these decisions we're making will affect. Or maybe they're difficult because of the length of time. If I make this decision, if I cross this bridge, if I, if I choose this particular course of action, it's going to affect the rest of my life. Or maybe it's just difficult because... We're not sure what's best and we're not sure what God's will might be for us in this particular circumstance. All of us face some really difficult decisions. Young people, as they grow up, start to think about what will the person that I marry be like? And, and what's a good choice to make for somebody to marry? Because that's going to affect the rest of my life, that choice that I make. Elders sit in elders meetings and they make difficult decisions thinking about what's best for the Lord's work and what's best for the kingdom and what's best for the people of God. Parents have to make difficult decisions. What are we going to allow and what rules and boundaries are we going to set in our home so that God can be exalted and so that our children can be raised in a way that pleases Him? And especially when the Bible doesn't give us a thus saith the Lord for every single thing that we might be choosing. How do we make those difficult decisions in a way that pleases and honors God? That's what this lesson is all about. And what I'd like for us to do is this. I just want to offer to you tonight seven questions 
that every Christian ought to keep in mind when we're making difficult decisions, when we're making decisions that have huge implications, seven questions that we ought to ask and answer before we make those decisions. You ready? Here we go. Question number one is this. Before I make a really difficult decision, I need to stop and ask the question as a Christian, is this decision, is making this choice going to hinder me? Is it going to weigh me down? When I was in college, I went to Texas A&M as a freshman and they made us park in a place called Fish Lot. That means it's the lot for freshmen. It was a long way from the dormitory where I lived. And I thought, okay, that's not so bad. I'll just park my car out there and I'll just carry my books and I'll carry my, my laundry and things like that. And it was about a mile. You know, when I, when I walked the first 30, 40, 50 yards, it wasn't so bad. But after about a half mile of carrying those loads, those loads that weren't so heavy at the beginning, they got heavier and heavier and more cumbersome the farther I went with the load. And sometimes that's the way our decisions are as Christians. You know, this isn't so bad as we start out. And then as we get farther down the road of life and the decision that we've made, it becomes a hindrance to us, especially when we're talking about our faith, especially when we're talking about serving God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, Therefore, Christians, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, watch what's in yellow there, let us also, Christians, lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters and friends, some of the things that are good in our lives actually end up weighing us down and being hindrances to us. They're not wrong in and of themselves. We can look at them and say these are blessings. And yet, as we run with endurance this race, they start to kind of hinder us in serving and pleasing our God question to think about along these lines this decision this choice that i'm making is it going to make it more difficult for me to fully serve jesus well is it is it going to make it more tough for me to serve jesus christ with all my heart and all my soul and another question along those lines is this going to help me or is this going to hinder me as i grow because that's what God wants for my life, 2 Peter 3.18, that I grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will this decision hinder me or weigh me down? A second question to consider as we think about making really difficult, tough, earth-shattering, life-altering decisions. Will this decision potentially enslave me? Enslave me. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but, he says, not all things are helpful. You know what he's saying there? There are a lot of things that I have a liberty to do as a Christian, but not all the things that I have liberty to do are actually helpful for me as a Christian. All things are lawful for me, he says, and then look at what's highlighted there, but I will not be dominated by anything. 
Paul had drawn a line in, his, in the sand in his heart. He had made a decision. I'm not going to allow anything that I have liberty to do, anything that's good necessarily in and of itself, I'm not going to allow it to dominate me, to control me, to enslave me. And sometimes the choices and the decisions that we make have kind of an enslaving quality to them. You think about it. Let me offer some suggestions. Sometimes our work can become enslaving. I understand that the way the working world is now, there's less in the workforce, there are fewer people in the office, and there is more work being piled on, and now that they can get into your home, you're working from home all the time. But when you stop and think about it, the decisions we make regarding our work can become enslaving decisions. That has to be at least one of the questions we ask as we contemplate that new job opportunity, that new frontier, that new company that we're going to work for. Will this enslave me? Another question, what about my recreational choices? There are some things that are good and right and fine in and of themselves, and yet they may have an enslaving quality to them. Something about them just, it's almost like an addiction. I just get so involved in this and I give so much time and energy to this that I feel like that's all I do. What about the digital world? Take your pick, which direction you want to go with that. Whether you're talking about things like social media or the use of mobile devices or whether you're talking about things like video games, those kinds of things can, if we allow them to, have an enslaving quality to them. Will this decision, will this choice that I'm making enslave me? Will it bring me under its power rather than me being in control? Addictive substances and practices. Some things may be fine in and of themselves, but they may have addictive qualities to them. And we ought to think about before we go down that road whether this has the potential to enslave us. Jesus is the one who said, No man can serve two masters. Matthew 6 verse 24. No one can. And so some things that are good and fine in and of themselves still may have an enslaving quality when it comes to our lives as Christians. A third question to ask when we're talking about life-changing decisions, difficult decisions, challenging decisions. Will this decision that I'm about to make open a door to sin or sinful compromise? Will this decision that I'm about to make, is it going to open a door? Is it making a place in my life for sin or for sinful compromise or even for temptation in that regard? Galatians 5.13, the apostle was writing to Christians who had liberty in Christ. They had freedom to do some things that were good, but listen to what he says. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What does he mean there? Don't do things that are opening the door and opening an avenue in your life to sin and to sinful compromise. Don't use your liberty as a way to mistreat and abuse others and to sin yourself. That's not what liberty is for. Rather, what liberty is for is in the last part of the verse, through love, serve one another. Use your mind and your heart creatively to find ways to bless other people. That's what God intends. Another passage, 1 Peter 2.16. Christians, 
live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. When you think about some of the choices that we make, sometimes we choose things that may well be fine to choose, but we know in our minds, we know in our hearts that making this choice is going to open up an opportunity for sin. It's going to open up an opportunity for sinful compromise in our lives, and we make the choice anyway knowing that that's really where we wanted to go all along. Don't use your liberty as a cover-up for evil. Next question, number four, making difficult decisions. Will this decision honor Christ as my Lord? A lot of people talk about Jesus, and a lot of people say they follow Jesus, but not as many people really honor Jesus as the Lord. To honor him as Lord means that he is the authority. It means that he's in charge. He's in control. He's the one that I honor, and he's the one that I obey in everything. Will this decision show that I honor Christ Jesus as my Lord? You remember this passage in 1 Peter 3, verse 15? Sanctify in your hearts Christ Jesus as Lord. This translation on the screen behind me has, in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. So in every decision that I make, I'm thinking about, is Jesus going to be pleased with this? Is he honored by this? Does this decision show that he's the one I want to obey and that he's the one that's the priority in my life? Let me caution you. As you think about these difficult decisions, to be careful. When we talk about the lordship of Jesus, some considerations to make. Be careful if you personally have some spiritual questions or reservations about this. I'm not really sure what God thinks about this. I'm not really sure if this is really what Jesus would be pleased with. Be careful. Secondly, be careful, especially if others and especially mature Christians, are cautioning you. You know, sometimes, especially when we're younger, older Christians, older, more mature people, they might look at us and they say, be careful about that. Let me caution you. There's nothing sinful about what you're about to choose, but let me just warn you, be careful here. If that's something that you're hearing, there is wisdom in listening to older, more mature Christians. There's wisdom in that. Another caution. Be careful if you can't picture Jesus himself making this decision or condoning this decision. Would Jesus make this decision knowing the implications, knowing what's going to come from this, knowing the consequences that are going to come down the road? Would Jesus choose this? If you can't envision him making this choice, if you can't envision him with all of his heart saying, this is what I'm going to do, be very careful in making that decision yourself. In Colossians 1 verse 27, the Bible says that the goal of preaching, the goal of ministry is to produce Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 2 verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. I died. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Could I picture him making this decision and being pleased with it? Sanctify, honor Christ as Lord.
Question number five. Will this decision that I'm about to make help others by its example? Because life's not just about you and it's not just about me. The world does not revolve around me. It does not revolve around you. There are other people who are affected by the decisions and the choices that we make. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes, Be careful, Christians, that this right of yours, this liberty of yours, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. We have to think about those things. Is the choice I'm about to make, even if I have a right to do it, is the choice I'm about to make going to cause a stumbling block to be placed in front of someone else? Is the choice I'm about to make going to cause somebody else to lose heart, to become discouraged, to have a problem in their conscience with what's being done? Will this decision help others by its example? Is this something that I can, I can say to everybody around me? You ought to do this too. You ought to make this kind of choice too if this opportunity is available to you. Can I say that? That's the question we're asking. Here's a mark of maturity biblically. I'm planning to do some more preaching and teaching about Christian liberty this year, Lord willing. But I want you to hear this because this is the essence of what God wants us to hear about Christian liberty. There are a lot of things that we have the right to do biblically. But one mark of maturity is when we're able to refuse to exercise our liberty for the sake of another person's conscience. When I say personally, I'm not going to do this. Because I don't want other people to be offended and I don't want to put a stumbling block to the gospel in anybody's way. I want to make the kind of decisions that other people could follow me fully and that they could be wholeheartedly serving Jesus Christ. That's a mark of maturity. And it's very rare. It was rare in the first century and it's rare today where people say, yeah, I've got the right but I freely give it up because I don't want people to be offended unnecessarily. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 12, the Apostle Paul talked about this. If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? He's talking about accepting money from the church because he was preaching the gospel to them. And he said, I didn't do it. I had the right to do it, but I gave that up because I didn't want people to think that somehow I was all about the money or somehow that was my reason for preaching to you. And then he says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. There it is. But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Will this decision help others by its example? Question number six. Will this decision help lead others to Christ? I've got a difficult decision to make. It's challenging. I need to think through the implications of it. And one of the questions I need to ask myself is this. If we really want as Christians for people to come to Jesus and to follow him, is this decision going to contribute to that? Philippians 2.15. Do nothing with grumbling and complaining, but rather be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you, Christians shine as lights in the world is evangelism on my mind is helping people come to christ on my mind as i make this decision will people see this decision as a quote-unquote good work 
even if we've got the right to make the decision, even if we've got liberty to do it, are people around me in my community, in my society, in the church where I worship, are they going to see this as a good work? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. Will this decision make it easier for some people to see Jesus? Don't you think that's a question we ought to ask from time to time? Because it's not just about us, and it's not just about what I want and what you want. It's about, can this help people see Jesus? If I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, Jesus said, John 12, 32. He was talking about the cross when he said it, but the principle is still true. If we lift up Jesus Christ, men are drawn to him. Is he being lifted up by this decision? Is concern for the souls of the lost being considered here? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark 8, 36 and 37. He who wins souls is wise. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Does this decision I'm about to make show adequate concern for the souls of the lost? Question number seven. As we think about these tough, difficult decisions, and as we ask God for wisdom in making these decisions, here's a question to reflect on. Will this decision bring glory to God? Kent read from the passage just a moment ago, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. At the end of a lengthy section, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, that deals with Christian liberty and how to exercise that liberty, the apostle writes, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all, all, all to the glory of God. He didn't leave anything out. Everything I do, I'm asking the question, does this glorify, does this honor, does this bring glory to God? Do all to his glory. So the question that we're asking here, when we think about God's glory, the primary question is not one of these things. It is not, will this make me happy? Certainly, when we make decisions, we're going to make decisions that we think are going to make us happy. I believe the Bible teaches that's not the primary question. It's a question, a legitimate question, not the main question. Will this bring me immediate peace? That's not the primary question either. God blesses his people with peace, peace within, peace with God, peace with others. The fruit of the Spirit is peace, Galatians 5.22. But that's not the primary concern. Will this bring immediate peace? Will this provide me with great comfort? Nothing wrong with being comfortable. Nothing wrong with being blessed. But those are not the primary questions. And yet when you stop and think about it, those three questions are typically the way most of us go about making really difficult decisions, aren't they? Will this make me happy? Will this bring me peace? Is this going to bring me comfort? No, the primary question is this. Will my decision show that God is more important to me than anyone else? Will my decision demonstrate that? That God is more important to me than anyone or anything else. 
In Acts chapter 5, the apostles were beaten and released, and the Bible says that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, the Bible says, all who strive to live righteous in Christ Jesus will suffer. So the question is not about my peace and my comfort and my happiness. The question is, does this show that God is really where my heart is? That my heart's with him and he's my treasure and I long to be with him forevermore. Those questions, when you look at them, those help us evaluate the choices and the decisions we make in our lives because they put our focus and they put our emphasis right back where Jesus would have it to be. Do I really show in my life that I have a passion for God? And do I show in my life that the great commandment is what I'm all about, loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Thank you for listening this evening. If you need to respond to the gospel tonight, you want to obey and be baptized, there is no better time, there's no better place than right here and right now. Maybe you need to respond and you want to ask for prayers this evening. Whatever your need is, heaven's invitation is yours while together we stand and while we sing.